0: Good morning, all you imbibers and uh, and the Italiani. Me too. Yeah, because this, if, if, although some of the connections are dissonance, we're talking about Italian-influenced wines, even though they're from different places like California and Brazil. Um, but by the way, you're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. Peter's, Peter's here too. Peter's here, and uh, we're going to start with. You may not even have thought of it because we had never thought of it that there's this uh, big organiz, well, not, not organization, um, but big push effort to produce sparkling wines in Brazil, which seems like a very unlikely place because sparkling grapes, wine grapes, are a cool climate. But you'll you'll you'll
1: understand better when you get the story. So let's hear from Augusto,
0: right? Augusto, yeah. Augusto was wonderful. This is very
1: exciting and very exotic. We have Augusto, whose last name I won't even try to pronounce. Oh, come on, rabbit. (laughs) He's a career diplomat in the country of the United States of Brazil, based in its capital city, Brasilia. Welcome, Augusta. Welcome to
2: On The Menu Radio. T- tell us about your storied career. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you for having yes. me. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. And, well, listen, I'm a career diplomat. Uh, I entered the Foreign Service in 1995. I've been posted uh, in Germany, in Japan, in Mexico. My last posting was as Deputy Chief of Mission of our, uh, the Brazilian Embassy in Wellington, New Zealand, which is, as you all know, a wine-making uh, country. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, since May 2019, um, I've been the business director of Apex Brazil. Apex Brazil is this uh, agency uh, to promote Brazilian exports and to attract foreign investment uh, to Brazil. It's an agency linked to the foreign ministry. Uh, Brazil. So for me, it's, it's really a kind of a. In a way, I'm still uh, consider myself as an active diplomat, but having this fantastic opportunity and this challenge uh, to help uh, the Brazilian economy, uh, making sure that we have the conditions to grow exports and to attract uh, foreign direct investment.
1: So, so it's both coming and going, I guess. Yes, by all means. Now, give our, give our listeners some statistics that explain just exactly how big Brazil is. Because, it's huge. <laughs> because it doesn't necessarily look, look very big on the map, but compared to the United <laughs> States, it's, it's it's a very sizable country with a, with an awful lot of variety, and we're going to talk about one aspect of that variety in just a little bit. But first of all, Adolfo, in, introduce us to the country of Brazil.
2: Sure, sure. Well, Brazil's... First and foremost, a big country. So we're talking—it's essentially about the size of the continental USA. So the 48 states. Actually, Brazil is bigger than the uh, 48 so, continental yeah. US states. So it's uh, it's really a big country. It's diverse in terms of of uh, geography, of nature, vegetation. We're talking about the Amazon. We're talking about uh, the uh, arid uh, lowlands of the Northeast. We're talking about the central. Plateau, and um, also uh, the region where you have most of its population, which is the southeast and and the south. Um, It's a country that um, has um, uh, all this this, uh, variety of landscapes and has a huge population as well. We're talking about 210 million Brazilians. uh, And diverse. Essentially, our base. Our base. Yes. Sorry. Diverse population. Yes, very diverse. The population
0: very diverse. is we have very
2: big, diverse. Yes, we have a kind of, of uh, we're very proud of our heritage, um, which is essentially, at the beginning, it was mainly. Uh, Portuguese, uh, the Indians, the Ameridians uh, were here, the Africans were brought later, so this is in a sense a little bit our our, uh, our basis, um, and then we got lots of immigrants from all over the world, and I'm really talking all over the world, so uh, we have um, huge uh, European communities of immigrants, Italians, Germans, uh, more Lots Portuguese of Italians,
0: I know.
2: Stan- in fact, oh, yes, our, lots of our Italians and law. people from Middle East as well Middle East many we have uh, very uh, uh, thriving uh, Arab community a uh, Jewish community and also a very important Japanese uh, community this is interesting because uh, there are uh, actually Brazil has the largest uh, Japanese community outside of Japan so we're talking about almost really that have Japanese okay. heritage so
1: now, now Brazil has two enormous cities Rio de Janeiro, and Sao Paulo, right? Yes. And uh, about, about how right. big are they population-wise, Augusto?
2: Listen, uh, the greater Sao Paulo is one of those megalopolies, so we're talking about almost 20 million people. And wow. uh, the city itself has around 11 million, but the greater Sao Paulo, we're talking about 20 million, so uh, it's uh, so comparable to a- those... Uh, big metropolises such as New York or Mexico or Tokyo. And yes, Rio very, very has approximately very... 11 to 12 million, the greater Rio de Janeiro, 12 There's million
1: ver- people. In many respects, for, for those people who've been to Mexico City, very, very, very similar in size and scope to Mexico City, which is yes. like 23 to yes. 25 million. But, but we're, we're yes. going to take a trip to a corner of Brazil that most people even a lot of Brazilians probably don't even know exists, which is the far south of Brazil, almost in Uruguay.
2: That's correct. Introduce
1: introduce us to that part of the country.
2: Sure, sure. And, you know, I'm quite familiar with that part of the country because although I was born and raised in Sao Paulo, actually my my family comes from that area. So uh, both my parents were born in uh, southern Brazil, in Rio Grande do Sul and um, as you know brazil we're talking about diversity and the size of the country but most of brazil is a tropical country so it's known as a tropical country when you think about rio or the northeast uh, we have this uh, image of, of tropical beaches and the sand and the sea and so on and so forth but in the south, in southern Brazil, actually, we do have more of a temperate climate, uh, which is equivalent to what you would have in southern Europe or south Australia, for instance, or even um, the south of the United States. Um, which uh, is why southern you can California. grow grapes, right? That's correct. That's correct.
0: But, but,
1: but, but, the, start, but the start of the grape-growing winemaking business, when, when did that begin? Was in, Cal- in the United States... It began in California and the people behind it were a lot of them were Italian immigrants
0: Italian yeah
1: and when I, when i when i tell our listeners that the the ne- the name of one of the people we're sure. going to talk about very soon making wine is Gary, <laughs> Gary Baldi, Gary you, Baldy you'll get a sense that perhaps there were some Italians involved in
2: Brazil too yes Yes, indeed, indeed. Well, listen, uh, just a background about uh, that state, the southernmost state of Brazil. Please, please. So in terms of area, we're talking about something equivalent to Pennsylvania and New York, so approximately 280,000 square kilometers. And uh, as I said, with this vegetation and climate, that's equivalent to to southern Europe and uh, with very hot summers but cold winters. And um, there we have mainly two important geographical regions for wine making. So one is actually the plains in the extreme south of the state, closer to Uruguay. It's called the Campania, which, by the way, it's an interesting name because Campania translates as countryside in English. And uh, it's almost the namesake of the Champagne region in, in France. Okay. But the interesting thing is that uh, sparkling wines essentially come from the other region, which is the Serra the Sierra, uh, the mountains, the mountain range in the northeast of the state. By the way, one of the few places in Brazil where you have regular snowfall, so it's the climate it's, it's can be quite cold. Yeah. And in terms of population, we are talking about uh, a state with uh, approximately 11 million inhabitants, so I guess it's a little bit less than, than Pennsylvania, equivalent to Georgia. And uh, it's a state with unique and very distinctive gaucho culture that we share with uh, Argentina and Uruguay, and it's essentially based on, on cattle raising. So uh, that state is the cradle of the Brazilian barbecue tradition, the churrasco, a,
0: which is very oh, common. I
2: hope you have tried already, but it comes, of that tradition of of, of of making beef comes from that area. And uh, so uh, this, this gaucho culture is basically uh, Portuguese and Indian and African. But um, from the beginning of the uh, 19th century, there was this uh, uh, this um, uh, program to attract um, immigrants from from Europe, and in a sense, what the Brazilian authorities did at the time was. Something comparable to the uh, homesteaders in the United States, so you would have these okay. settlements for immigrants and the uh, first Germans, the first wave was Germans in the 1820s, and starting in the 1870s, uh, the Italians. And the Germans, it's interesting because they came from from wine regions, from the Mosul and Rhine what regions. But <laughs> I guess they were not really that interested in winemaking. So it was up to the Italian immigrants, 150 years ago, to bring uh, wine grapes to Brazil. Uh-huh. Before there were there were grapes, but they were essentially Vitis americana, those grapes that can be good for for juices, but not necessarily for for winemaking. And then they brought uh, Vitis vinifera from from Europe. And but for Approximately 100 years, this was essentially a family business. So things started really to change and, and gain real traction in the 70s when some international companies started to invest in in Brazil. Uh, one of them in the Serra, uh, the Moyen Chandon, a French company, very very famous wine group, oh, good, good. and That's another good. one was actually an American American group, uh, Almaden. So they invested in the Campania region. So they were very important in really um, uh, developing those uh, viticulture projects and helped to modernize the sector. So around the 1990s, uh, the more open economy paved the way for more research, technology, investment from other companies. And many of those old established Brazilian-Italian families, they turned their very small businesses into larger wineries, so that's why you have lots of Italian last names, uh, like uh, Valduga, or Miolo or Perini, and Garibaldi. Although Garibaldi, this is a funny, funny uh, fact, is actually the name wow. of the Italian hero, the hero of the uh, yes, yes. unification of, of Italy, because he was he was, in a sense, a first immigrant. So, he went to uh, Rio Grande. There was a a small civil war uh, in the 1830s and he was active uh, there. He married a Brazilian. So, his wife, Uh uh, Anita Garibaldi, was actually from Brazil and we are all very proud of this common Italian-Brazilian heritage. So, one of the cities in the Serra Gaúcha is called Garibaldi. So, it's a very important area for
1: wine production,
2: especially sparkling wine.
1: Garibaldi is is unique in another respect or maybe it's not entirely unique because if i understand it correctly it's really it's it's not just a company it's a cooperative of of yes, a group of yes, a group true. of wine growers and wine makers
2: that's correct that's correct which uh, happens how, a lot how
1: did so that, many how did of that those come companies. about sorry
2: how how did Can that come, it?
1: how how did it come about the the, the, the formation of a cooperative
2: oh Sure, sure. Ben, when we, when we think about those, uh, those uh, immigrant families, we think basically about small to medium-sized properties. Uh, so uh, they would kind of uh, reproduce, in a sense, what they had there in Europe. And it was kind of natural for them to form uh, cooperatives. So many of those uh, the, the, the major um, winemakers in Brazil are small sized uh, 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 wine growers and then they unite and form those uh, cooperatives so it's also a very interesting economic model I mean there are other examples especially in Europe but uh, in Brazil it's it's quite unique and how successful they, they, they are in the yeah, Brazilian pull, market I, and I, hopefully more and more abroad I pull, I pulled up a website
1: to see just how many of the properties were involved Gary body, and there are dozens of them. Yes, right. There are really, it's a true. lot of it's them. True. But look, yeah. I have it. I have on the table in front of me in the studio. I have some wines. I want you to introduce one in no in no particular order. I have a bottle that has a toucan as its logo, and the name is A M A Z A. Amaze. Tell, tell us about Amaze. A maize comes in two flavors, made out of Pinot Noir grapes and Chardonnay grapes, but it's a sparkling wine. Tell us more.
2: Sure, sure. Um, if if I may, just to to give you uh, some extra context oh, please, about please. Uh, why why we do have this. Um, uh, why sparkling wines are becoming a speciality of, of, of Brazilian uh, winemaking. Well, first and foremost, I mean, we don't really have uh, a grape that can be uh, typically associated to, to Brazil. So unlike um, the, no Malbec, uh, the New Zealanders have uh, Sauvignon Blanc, so in Brazil, actually, we have a mix of, of, of different grapes, and most of them are... Uh, grapes that are used in sparkling uh, wines, such as Charbonnet, uh, Riesling Italico, uh, Pinot Noir. so And and these grapes have found their home at the terroirs of, of the Serra Gaúcha. So there you have uh, this uh, chilly climate, higher altitudes. The landscape with mountains and valleys, uh, basaltic soils. so the conditions are not that far away, far different from um, uh, the Champagne region in, in, in France. But obviously we're talking about something different. It's a unique terroir, and um, you do have this. Uh, I would say that most of Brazilian wine in general, but especially the sparkling wines, they tend to, to convey a little bit of Brazilianness. They're very fruity and um so uh, it's it's no wonder that uh, that they are really uh, being recognized greatly uh, abroad uh, by awards in those international wine contests and uh so and the production of of uh, sparkling wines is is increasing so brazil is now Brazil ranks third in wine production in South America, after Argentina and Chile. So we have approximately eight five thousand hectares of of uh, vineyards and an output of three to four million hectoliters. It's growing, we, but it's you, not you a, a, stuck big if you compare to even to Argentina and Chile, not to say to France or even the United States. But it's growing. But the fact so is that you have to really promote of, this
0: because no. I, I really don't recall reading anything much about Brazilian wine until I started corresponding with them, the people from Apex Brazil.
2: Yes, and uh, it's, it's relatively new. And when we think about winemaking, I mean, you have all those traditions. The traditions were there, in a sense, because of the, of the immigrants. Yeah. But uh, as I said, you had those investments in, in technology and adaptation and it was very successful, but it's growing, it's growing, and obviously it's growing Uh, beyond the state of Rio Grande do Sul because now you have other regions you have uh, Santa Catarina which is growing even the state of São Paulo uh, Minas Gerais as well you have an interesting case in the northeast where it's arid and very tropical but nevertheless uh, with technology uh, you have uh, very interesting examples of of winemaking but when you think about sparkling wine Brazilian sparkling wine you were basically thinking about uh, the sparkling wine from Serra Gaúcha from Rio Grande do Sul and that amazed chardonnay comes from from that area from the um, uh, from Garibaldi and um, well as i mean i i, I hope you really enjoyed it but uh, it conveys very well this this uh, um, uniqueness about about uh, brazil and uh, all those uh, aromas tell of us, tropical fruits and uh, especially you, can
0: you tell uh, us what you
2: passion fruit consider. you know i'm not i'm not i'm not a sommelier myself. i'm not, I'm not really a very um, i'm a great consumer of course <laughs> especially oh. <if> you
1: <laughs> but, well, but what, I, do what like, actually? I do
2: like when i read those descript- descriptions that i can communicate with so listen for instance when they say passion fruit i agree I agree. I can feel. The okay, but well
0: How would it's, you? It, it's
2: interesting because those are Brazilian fruits, you know, passion fruit. Hello, hello, hello. The very, very Brazilian fruit. So, tell it's, me, it's really please. Nice
0: what do you think are the
2: hallmarks of
0: Brazilian sparkling wine? What is distinctive about Brazilian sparkling wine that you're about to promote when you're expanding the coverage of this sparkling wine?
2: so uh the first thing is that it's something new so it's um it has all those uh, those um, those flavors that obviously you can find in other wines but that combination is something unique unique to that area and um it has obviously for especially for when we think about uh, a tropical country i mean to have uh, a white sparkling wine that's going to be served chilled so it's really ideal so Tends to kind of um, has this, this relation this link also to our Brazilian lifestyle, uh, what we are. So even in the south, even in Rio Grande do Sul, where you have the temperate climate, uh, we tend to be very Brazilians. We have this, uh, as the French say, the joie de vivre. We like to to live to celebrate. So um, in a sense, those wines they they reflect this uh, cr- those characteristics of the Brazilian soul. So they're very very interesting and. Um, in a sense, because of this, all this, uh, since our productivity, uh, the numbers they are they are growing, uh, those wines are becoming more accessible uh, to the domestic market and abroad as well. So they offer very good um, uh, cost-benefit uh, ratio. So if you think about uh, the prices, this can change, of course, but now the, we are having here in Brazil a situation where the the currency helps a lot those exporters. So it arrives at uh, much lower prices in, in um, foreign markets, and especially in the United States. So uh, it's really a good deal. And uh, But first, I mean, since we are talking more and more about sophisticated uh, and very fine uh, wines, so obviously the prices can, can, so you're going to have a price range that's higher, you're going to get a better a better product obviously. So there's one example, very interesting one, which uh, won one of those, uh, that international wine competition, Vinali International. Who awarded the first place for for a Brazilian sparkling wine from Casavado Valduga? It's called 130 Blanc de Blanc, and uh, so we're talking about um, uh, uh, um, a sparkling wine in the higher price range, but it's really worthy. And uh, so again, it's it's the whole package, you see. So you have all those those compa- components, but uh, uh, definitely something that I that I uh, I really recommend and we here at Apex Brazil are working very very hard to make sure that more people know about uh, Brazilian uh, wine making and especially about uh, Brazilian sparkling wines uh, so no, as you said and I mean it's it's relatively unknown so it's starting now in a way we are we have this fantastic challenge and uh, we're quite confident that we're going to be successful and the US is one of our target top markets
0: Sure. Well, we're very yeah. excited to be in on the uh, rollout of this because we we really didn't know anything about sparkling wands from Brazil until we were contacted, and um, and it's a whole new. I'm learning a lot just listening to you. <laughs> I'm just learning more than I thought yeah. I needed
1: yeah. to know. Augusto, I I read in the description of the of the Miola, which is a name that you mentioned a little bit ago. Yes. Uh, that that yes. That, that they're using the traditional champagne process
2: thats of,
1: of a, of a that's secondary um, um, in in the in the bottle of fermentation
2: in the bottle yes yes
1: that's which is, which is which is quite quite unique for someone producing a sparkling wine outside of France
2: that's so, correct uh, that's correct and This is also very interesting when you see that uh, you have some of those winemakers that are going for the um, uh, very bold to compare themselves to um, uh, sparkling wine coming from very traditional regions such as Champagne in France and Uh the results are actually quite good. And at the same time, you have some other examples of uh, winemakers that uh, will use just one, one type of grape. It was the case of a 100% uh, Chardonnay, and many are using um, Moscato um, uh, grapes. Uh, tend to be obviously much sweeter. But um, so it's it's actually we're talking about it's also diverse. In spite of the numbers, they're not really that big, but we do have many, many, many types of um, of sparkling wines, catering to different tastes and different moments and uh, and to be quite honest with you i mean they are qu- they all 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 much um, uh, they are improving every time so we're we're taking the most out of the of those terroirs and so it's a fascinating journey i have a bottle wine
1: i have a bottle <laughs> in my lap right now from casa perini which is the which it says is the, f- the fifth best wine of the world in 2017 and that's and that's based. it's a that's sparkling muscatel
2: That's that's correct, and it's a very good one. You know, I'm actually glad. You know, because I, I'm talking about those those sparkling wines, and I actually I've tasted all of them. <laughs> I bought them here in, in Brazil, so I know I'm really uh, talking about something that I know. As you as. Obviously, nowadays we're having with the pandemics this this uh, obstacle of, of uh, making uh, those uh, tastings possible because oh, right. you can rely a lot on the digital experience for many things, but with wines it's kind of difficult try right, to make a digital wine tasting <laughs> but uh, we are we are uh, we are doing a very good work in and there is an example now, uh, next year there will be this uh, VinExpo Expo in uh, New York City, and uh, uh, a couple last week actually we did a digital uh, event. Uh, the wines were, were sent beforehand, of course, for people to uh, more than 360 users from 33 countries tasted those, those wines, wow. but then we, we linked them together in a webinar. Uh, to talk about their experiences uh, with um, with Brazilian uh, wines in general and, sparking, and sparkling wines, which is clearly the best we have to, to offer. And uh, this year, in March, there was the, the normal edition of the uh, in uh, New York City before the pandemics, and uh, five Brazilian wineries were there, Salton, Valduga, Garibaldi, and Miolo, and also Carraro, Lidio Carraro, another Italian name and they were very very successful during during the fair. so well, no. we before, we know we we're very very happy to see that and it's and those wines are really accessible i mean they, you can find them in the us before,
0: well, uh,
1: before before we sign before we sign off augusto where, where are people going to be able to to find out more information is is there one particular website that would be a good place for people to s- go to, to start their exploration of sparkling wines of brazil
2: Uh, listen uh, peter i would say that well i invite everyone to to visit our our site uh, in the uh, of the apex brazil uh, portal and the internet Uh, not necessarily it's going to be it's mainly a place a place for business so it's essentially you're talking about business to business, but uh, I think it's important uh, for um, uh, for your audience to know that and to know more about the work of uh, of uh, apex brazil and in terms of of um, i mean the uh, the variety of, of, of uh, Brazilian sparkling wines, um, I think uh, it's, it's uh, because, you know, when I, when I talk about wines, I, I like to, to say that you're going to find them in your place. And one of the good things about technology is usually, especially when you Google it and you put Brazilian sparkling wine, immediately you're going to get all the ads of the people in your area that are going to offer those uh, those Brazilian uh, wines. So, so uh, my, my suggestion is first to visit our, our portal at the Internet. We'll have some information in English uh, as well. But uh, I encourage everyone to uh, to go to the Internet and to buy some bottles and try themselves because I'm quite sure they're going to understand uh, what I mean about uh, having this Brazilianness, the Brazilian soul. Uh, in a bottle, uh, we have of course other things. this is something fantastic about Brazil, so it's a tropical country, so it's uh, a country where you have all those um, tropical agricultural products, but nevertheless, we do have also fantastic wine. Well we, and, and we some even...
0: fantastic food and some fantastic chefs who's the one we interviewed that I love so much about it?
2: I don't know, Lava. No, there are so many. There are so many. There so many. There's and a new generation water, of Brazilian lot. chefs, yeah, and uh-huh. using all those those uh, agricultural products, these foods of Brazil, very diverse, uh, many coming from the Amazon, some from the, some provinces. I the love mountains. it, and
0: we we were on a, a press tour of of um, uh, Peru, and and Lima, and I was just amazed at the. The high quality, everything we tasted, absolutely
2: so but well, there
0: they make peace gloves.
2: they don't make sparkly ones like that the story is fake it's true it's true and they have a, they have a very very big uh, japanese community as well so something they interesting have about very the, big japanese and, and we Chinese. Do have them as well as i told you yeah that's correct and we do have yeah. also so in a, in a sense, brazil reflects this the so many um, immigrants and traditions uh, coming from all over the world so so my my
0: has, my daughter-in-law's about. mother was born in Brazil, by the way.
2: Oh, super! super. Yeah,
0: she. I mean, she. Where she in Brazil, from Where? from Poland. In, uh, uh,
1: right oh. after,
2: right oh after, right after the Second World War. Yeah, I see. I see. Yes. Well, we have so many, so many friends that are exactly. uh, descendants of, of Polish immigrants, Hungarian immigrants, Romanian immigrants as well.
0: So
2: yeah. Uh, during that time, well, and this is When we get over this I mean, it's crisis. not only the grapes. Human beings—they feel themselves at home in Brazil.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love, a, when we get through this crisis, that's here's, on our travel a, agenda. Here's so a question?
2: please, please. You are invited, both of you. It would be a pleasure to have you to have you here.
1: Here's our biggest question: Shall we shall we have a maize, Miolo or Casaparini, with our dinner? Both, both, <laughs> all, all, all of the above. Augusto, thank you so much for bringing such informative no, information you. about Brazilian sparkling wines to On the Menu Radio. I'm sure I'm sure our listeners will will start exploring right away, and and and, and they'll enjoy a refreshing variety that will remind them a little bit of champagne, a little bit of Prosecco, a little bit of Cava, but mostly a little little bit of the amazing country that you represent, Brazil. Thank thank you so much for being part of of the
0: program. Thank
1: you
3: so much. much.
1: Okay, so don't go away because we'll be right back after a show break.
3: Podcasting services for On the Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station. www.aspstation.net.
0: Okay, welcome back, sweetheart. Welcome back. Hi, welcome back. We're going to move very far from southern Brazil to California and uh, Graciana Wines. Um, uh, so listen to Trini Amador um about her family's operation. I have no idea where to start this interview. We're talking to somebody extremely experienced, extremely um well-informed uh with a wonderful name, Trini Amador. Um and I I said to him, I admitted that talking to his publicist for a while, I thought that um, he was a she, and so I started screwing up right away, and I got all straightened out, and I found that he's the third. There's a fourth coming up, but I want to go back to to, to the basis of why we're even here, talking about the Graziano um, vineyards, uh, wines. Um, Can you give us, where are you, uh, the, the... the elevator speech maybe on, on the, the winery, what what can you tell us so we can get us started?
3: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much to Anne and Peter for inviting us to join you today. We're big fans of the podcast, and this is really wonderful to have us. So, uh, My name is Trini Amador, and I'm one of the partners at Graciana Winery. We are in Healdsburg, so Healdsburg is in Sonoma County, and uh, Graciana Wines uh, Graciana was named after my great-grandmother. She was French Basque. And when I was a kid, she used to talk a lot about being thankful. And so that's why our wines are for people who have something to be grateful for. And I know one of the things we were talking about earlier on is that, um, you know, what folks also know us about is that we got in the wine business because we caught our son making wine in the garage when he was 15 years old. And... Uh, <laughs> So now he's uh, he's 35, but we didn't think it was a good idea to have wine in the house with a 15-year-old kid, so we threw that wine away, and so he was moping around, and finally we just said, look, this is if this is really important to you, we'll support you, but you have to get an internship. So it turns out that the guy that he interned with, five years later, became the Worldwide Winemaker of the Year, and that's how this whole thing got started.
1: Now, wow. what did you do before? So you had a life before being being a vineyard
3: owner right so that's a great question and actually i do the same thing now that i did before and so does my wife lisa so lisa is a healthcare executive and i run a global brand marketing practice okay all right
0: no i, a... no, I was going to turn it to you oh okay you had that question well there was
1: there was there was a, there was there was a particular reason why we got together if you like today or in, in the few days we've been making the arrangements and that is that you, you made off with a pretty big prize just recently tell us about that
3: that's right <clears throat> that's a great question so thank you for asking um, we have just uh, successfully uh, released uh, what's referred to as our 2018 West Side Reserve Pinot Noir and um uh, this wine is going to go down in history as a, as a Pinot for the ages. Um, it most recently uh, won uh, the uh, best in show for the Sunset uh, Magazine International Wine Competition. This is a big deal. I mean, not only was it named um, the uh, double gold winner in its category, which is for Pinots, but it also won the best wine uh, in the show. It won best in class. And also won Best in Show. That's out of 2,700 wines. And so that's, that's quite a feat when that, something like that happens. That's a big
0: deal. That's, that caught my attention. <laughs>
3: well, so the thing that caught our attention was that in back in March, I think it was, uh, this wine won Best of Class at the Dan Berger International Wine Competition. That's a big deal as well. So being Best of Class and and, and being a gold medal winner is quite a thing. But then, all of a sudden, the next month after that, it was named by the 50 best uh, uh, California, uh, uh, in the California Pinot Noir class. It also won gold. And then the San Francisco Wine Competition, it won gold. And then, only a couple of weeks ago, in the local, what we call the local Press Democrat North Coast Wine Challenge, it was also given a 98 score, and it was named best in class and double gold. So when all of a sudden you start sort of lining up all of these independent um, uh, competitions with, you know, are bringing in uh, world-class uh, judges from from all over, these are five different um, uh, classes or competitions, I guess I should say, all in a row that have validated us. So hitting one is one thing, but hitting two is something, three is something, four is something, Out five is means I think that yeah. you've pretty much done it, yeah. So we're very, very proud of this wine. We only made about 140 cases, I think, of this, uh, of this uh, beautiful Pinot. And it's the best four barrels of wine, of Pinot in the house in 2018, which means that all of the wines that we make are single vineyard varietals. They're single vineyard designates. But this is the okay. only wine that we blend. So that means that uh, our winemaking team uh, pulled together what they consider to be the best four barrels of peanut in the house, and that's what they do every year to turn it into what we re- refer to as the reserve. Um, primarily, our wine club members are the ones who have first access to that wine, but that wine is available at our website, which is www.graciana.com. Now, um,
0: this team, I mean, how do they react? On a professional and personal level, to this sweep of awards.
3: Well, you know that's a really great question. I think the the way that the whole um, the whole family sort of re- responds to this is that we're really humbled by it, and it's it's really a wonderful validation of of what it is that we do. Winemaking is not an easy thing to do because <laughs> oh, there's so many variables. The weather is a big is a huge variable. The uh, you know matching the root stock and the particular um, clones to the to the uh, to the earth and to the soil site that you have um, our estate vineyard, for example, is right on the miracle mile of Pinot noir uh, we 're wide right on West side Road in Healdsburg, and many of your listeners who have been to Sonoma County certainly know where west side road is we 're right in the middle of, of the miracle mile, and what happens is is that there's a big turn in the river right where we are and so what happens is when the river comes up every year it can't make the bend so it jumps over the bank and this 1 mile long stretch of uh of the uh of the river uh, actually gets inundated with water it it, it floods meaning the, wa- the 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 river comes actually into like those the areas. nile
0: in egypt
3: that's exactly right i was just <laughs> going to say that
0: its, yeah hey, leaving in its wake the whole concept of, um, of um, afterlife. Now, what, that's what correct,
3: new that? nutrients. It's true.
0: The whole religion it, of Egypt is based on this flooding of the Nile, periodic flooding of the Nile.
3: Did you so know Peter, that? that's the Russian River? That's right. We, we were Russian aware river of that. And, yep. And have been to the Nile and seen the what it, what it has done. And so what happens is that the, uh, the river leaves new nutrients and minerals. And uh, and that's why the best Pinots in the world we think are grown right there on the Miracle Mile of Pinot Noir. Oh,
0: that is so exciting for it to is. know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as a former art historian, I wish I had known that I could point pointed to your river in California as a more a closer example of how the development of an afterlife uh, occurred in Egypt. We have, oh, that's well, right. Yeah.
1: Let's go in a slightly diff- different direction. Sure, is, go ahead. This is just because, because I'm interested. I, I have someone who I uh, undoubtedly will have thought about the answer to this question, so I'm not tripping him up on it. But Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir is not considered always to have thrived very well in California. I mean, it's, be- it's best known, if you like, in the United States, to us at least, to, to be Oregon rather Oregon. than... Rather than California, <laughs> but you've obviously done you've obviously done something different to make it work in California.
3: Right. Well, I think certainly in Sonoma County, uh, Sonoma County has has figured out the the Pinot Noir trick. Essentially, I mean, there is a lot of soil that is in Sonoma County that is very optimally suited for for Pinot. That's the first thing, and also the weather is also quite uh, adept. So we are. Um, Certainly in the Russian River Valley, for example, there is a fog um, uh, bank that comes over the the evenings and in the morning. It's quite cool in Sonoma County and very temperate in the evening, but it can be quite hot during the day. And so the way things work is that it's about a 30-degree temperature swing from day to night. So if it's 90 during the day, then it can be 60 or even in the high 50s at night, and the Pinot loves that. It likes to be a little bit hot, and it likes to be a little bit cool.
1: It is considered an extraordinarily finicky grape, I understand. That's right. One of the things
3: we were talking about before we started, actually, was that I wrote a book about my great-grandmother, Graciana. So is is it okay that I tell you the story?
0: Of course, absolutely. Yeah, I I was going to get back to this gratitude thing, too. But go ahead.
3: So, right, so Graciana wines are for people who have something to be grateful for. And I wanted to understand, um why, when I was a little boy, my great-grandmother used to talk to me a lot about being grateful. And so, she would say, you know, you need to be thankful, you need to be grateful. But when you're little, you don't really know what gratitude means. I think I was, I, I probably was in my 50s before I figured it out. But, uh, I, I really wanted to understand that. So that was part one. But part two was that sort of when I was in my teens, I remembered something that happened to me when I was with her. And she lived in Santa Maria, uh, California, which is Southern California, in Santa Barbara County. And uh, one day she caught me at her house, walking around her house with a loaded German Luger.
1: Oh. Hmm. So my,
3: my my book is about what was my grandmother doing with a loaded German Luger in her nightstand? And so yeah. um, the I basically, you know, she never talked about it. I talked to individuals in our family and started putting the story together. I went to the Basque country to do research on her. Right. And that research okay. took me to Paris and eventually to Auschwitz. And we had no oh. idea our family had any relationship to the war like that because she was Catholic French Basque, right? So yeah. it turns out it's a chilling story. I wrote the book. I landed an editor Who's edited twenty New York Times best-selling books, and the first publisher we sent the book to took it.
1: Uh, what? what what's, right. the, what's the title?
3: What? It's called Graciana, and basically this story was my um, sort of my internal way of trying to figure out why it was that she would drill this value of gratitude into me, so much so that it was very important for us and our family to absorb that um that meaning i think into our life and i think that it didn't really kind of all come together until five or six years ago when i wrote the book and it all sort of clicked at that point and sort of understood that this idea of of gratitude what why it was so meaningful to her and why it was so meaningful to her to ensure that that was meaningful to me and yeah. so, even though it took many years to sort of manifest uh, itself, we knew that we wanted Graciana wines to be for people who have something to be grateful for. And I have to be—I have to tell you that when folks, or many uh, many folks, come in from all over the world to us, and they know that this is something that's very important to us, and they're drawn to us for that reason.
1: Now, is the is the gratitude? Is it, is it related to the fact that your gran- grandmother survived? Auschwitz, or was, was
3: it something well, Peter, you're going to have to read the book. You're going to have to read yeah, the book right. to understand that. So,
1: well, it, nice it really try. Funny. I was watching six, 60 Minutes last night, and they were co- they were covering, if you like, this story. They were talking. They were talking to people who had been at Auschwitz and had survived, and and some who they survived, but the rest of their family did not.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, if you managed to come out of there with the Luger or not, you, you certainly had something to be grateful for, but it, but it reminds Absolutely. me, and this is something I'm sure you you must have seen the, fi- the final section of the of Steven Spielberg's legendary uh, movie Schindler's List
3: right yeah. and at,
1: the, at, the, yeah. at the end of that they go from black and white to color for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they show and they show the descendants of all the Schindler survivors, right? All putting all putting a stone on Schindler's graveyard, and I, I think it's such an amazing, such a touching thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm almost crying right now. As I, as I think, <laughs> I'm about sorry. It.
0: I couldn't I couldn't see that movie. I just yeah, couldn't hurt there, I to never see it. I've never seen it. I said you. You have to see it. I just couldn't. I just couldn't see it. Well, that's the part you have well, this, to see. Well,
3: this this idea of of gratitude is is it's so important to us, and it's so embedded into what it is that we did when the whole pandemic started. You know, back in um, the first quarter, we wanted to understand um, more about how people were dealing with with this relative to how they were feeling relative to being grateful. So we partnered up with UC Davis and um, uh, a, a wonderful uh, professor there named uh, Dr. Robert Emmons. He's a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, and he is a partner with Graciano Winery. And we went out to market and talked to people about their attitudes about gratitude. We found that um, well over 50% of respondents reported being very grateful in general, but one of the most important findings, a very, very interesting thing that uh 69% so nearly 70% of folks expect to feel very grateful in the future meaning that it's possible for people to project um uh this idea of gratitude into the future knowing that 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 we will come out of this and that we will be more positive and feeling more positive in the future and we we felt that that was a very important message
0: to when, sort was of this done? So when was get
3: out. so the this? study was done Yep, the study was done in June, end of June, so sort of think of it as the beginning of July. So it's all quite very recent. So it's new, and and
0: people still are feeling optimistic. See, I find most everybody I talk to is
3: depressed.
1: Yeah, we're, we're not, well, we're you not know, I think optimistic
0: it, around here, I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think
3: I understand that. I think that there are certainly people are, you know, th- 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 there's ebbs and flows, right? So, you know, on, on one level, maybe on a day-to-day basis, we are feeling depressed and feeling agitated and, and anxious. But if you really have a moment to reflect and understand, you know, what, if you're asked about uh, the future, do you believe that you will feel more grateful in the future, the answer for at least seventy percent of people, has been yes. Great. Well,
0: that's a revelation. I mean, of course, we deal a lot with them, chefs and restaurateurs, and uh, it's so hard to be optimistic, and, given the state of the hospitality industry. Right. No well, we
3: feel that people can increase these levels of gratitude with these simple practices, like. People are journaling. They're writing down things that, that they have to be grateful for. And gratitude then sort of opens the door to seeing other positive life changes and personal growth for them.
0: Yeah, that's like our thanks. Our family thanksgivings. We always do that, go around what are you thankful for.
3: It's <laughs> funny you should mention that because when you take one of the corks out of our, our wine uh, bottles, it says what are you grateful for on it. And one of the things about Graciana is that when people open a bottle of our wine, they pass that cork around the dinner table, and they ask each person to say what is it is it they're grateful for.
0: Um, are you surprised to be in this situation in the wine business? I mean, your background is so broad, and you've done so many other things. and It's such a specific thing.
3: Yeah, you know, that's a really great question. No one's ever asked me that before, and I think you're absolutely right. I, Lisa and I had no intention to be in the wine business at all just sort of happened, and it's happened so wonderfully, and it's been such a blessing.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now, were now you wine connoisseurs before you got into the uh, industry?
3: So we enjoyed wine, and that's about it. We knew about wine. We enjoyed wine. We live in Sonoma <laughs> County, so it's difficult not to, to do that. It's hard to find a bad bottle of wine in Sonoma County, so we were very much <laughs> enjoyed uh, uh, wines and wineries here.
1: Now you do make more than more than one grape variety. We've talked about right. we talked so. about uh, Pinot Noir, but uh, in in the in the case for which we're grateful, by the way.
3: That's right. Someone was in the knock, tasting knock room it. recently. Snuck
1: that, knock that and right in there. There, there, a, there, was, there was a Zinn and a Chardonnay that snuck their way in there.
3: Talked to us. Yes. Yeah, so about someone that. was in the tasting room recently, and um, uh, they were leaving, and they said, "Thanks a lot." We said, "We'll see you again." And he said, oh, I'll be back because this place is a sixer. And we all looked at each other as he walked around the corner. And none of us knew what that meant. So I I was volunteered to go out while he was getting in his car and say, excuse me, what does that mean? So I did, because uh, I'm quite shy, as you can tell. And so uh, I said, what does what does that mean? he said, well, he said, you serve six wines, and all six wines are outstanding. And so we thought that that was quite a compliment. But we do That's make a rosé. We make a rosé, a sauvignon blanc, a chardonnay uh we make uh three uh different pinots uh two of them are are on the regular rotation and then the reserve and then we also make a lovely um russian river valley uh zinfandel as well and but we are now now adding a couple of napa cabs to the um to the lineup and those are going to be coming in a, a couple of years actually maybe late next year the first napa cab will come there's a great story behind it, and then we will have a uh, another outstanding uh, Napa cab that will be released, which I'd love to come back and and, and have you taste that and tell the story about that. Oh, you must you,
1: you must you must do that, but but they're they're, they're in Napa not so you're in Sonoma, so are That's you are you, buy, are you buying fruit or are you?
3: That's correct. Yes, we are we okay. are buying some fruit from some from some Napa uh, growers.
0: It's a it's a way of life that's rather uh, extraordinary. You know, where were we? I have a time to try remember where we no, were. No,
3: I don't know. No.
0: You have to give me more of a clue. I mean, where we were on the wine tour, and we ran into all those funny people. I mean, they were wonderful, interesting winemakers. And uh, one well, had been a <laughs> hospital administrator, and the uh, oh, another yes, one yeah, had they, been a professional football they're, player. They're, they're,
1: they were in Paso. They were in Paso Robles. They called themselves the Road Rangers.
0: The
3: road. Well, well, you know, the reverse is true as well because on the winemaking side, we meet some of the most amazing people who come from all over the world to Sonoma County to Uh uh, to visit us, and you know, people's stories are so as varied as there are you know uh, 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 individuals, and that we we meet them and we connect with them and have the most amazing relationships start off. With some of these most fantastic people, and there are relationships that we will have for the rest of our lives, and it's just so so wonderful to be able to do that. And we're we're so grateful, Lisa and I and the whole family, to to be in this uh, in this business with such a wonderful team that we have that helps uh, to deliver this message that is so important to us. When we started the, the tasting room about eight years ago on West Side Road in Healdsburg. On TripAdvisor, there was about 115 things to do in Healdsburg, and we were 116th because we weren't <laughs> even on the list. Well, now we're first. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why people come to Graciana, because they know that it's an intimate experience, that it's real, it's filled with emotion, and the wine is outstanding.
0: Well, now we come to the point of you, you have a limited output. How hard is it getting your wines
3: well, um it's, it's only as hard as going to your browser on your, uh, your, uh, on your computer and just type in graciana.com and then you'll find our store. Um, we ship wine pretty much from October through probably May to, you know, when the weather is cool on the cooler side. So if people are listening to the podcast now and they decide they want to buy some wine, they can go and, and buy it on the website, and then we'll start shipping wine sort of in mid to late October. And we ship wine all the way up until um, uh, April. Folks join the wine club, and we send wine to them oh, yeah, in sort of late that. March. Yeah. Yeah. Folks okay. uh, will, um, can buy four, six, or 12 bottles twice a year and uh, it's quite reasonable. They have some savings that comes along with being in the club, and there's a lot of other benefits. Um, and uh, so we ship wine sort of uh, late, mid, late October. We uh, ship it all the way up until sort of in uh, late, late April, I guess, depending on where they are. And uh, otherwise, when people buy wine uh, and outside of those periods, we just hold on to it and we ship it to them when the weather is cool.
0: Well, you are a, a wondrous person to meet, and I hope you'll be my friend. Yeah, we 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 got, we
3: we
1: you need to be our you need to be our friend. We need to come and visit you.
3: Yeah. Well, we are, we are we are instantly friends, and we are friends forever. And we would love to have you. And uh, I cannot wait to come back. And we're so so honored to be on your show. And thank you so much for inviting us.
1: Thank I did, you, gene I, I, I did want to I did want to re- record one thing. Uh, just just because it's it's not necessarily about grateful, it's just kind of fun. Did you by any chance ever ever meet the owners of Sterling Vineyards?
0: Oh
3: Sterling. Sterling um, they make no. iron, they make,
1: they make, iron Horse. They make, they, make, they make iron horse.
3: Oh, Iron Horse, yes, of course. We know Iron Horse. We know the Sterlings.
1: Yeah, well, yeah well, Barry just passed away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did Barry's not died. know I that. Didn't, I didn't yeah. know if you. I didn't know if you knew that.
3: That's so sad. No, I didn't know that. It we, we, is sad. We, yeah.
1: we we were there. We had we had lunch with Barry and Audrey in their house, which is right in the right in the middle of the property. And,
3: they, mm-hmm. what, and they, what a
1: they, wonderful life he led. Very very very. We
3: we actually um, ma- we actually made a um, a sparkling. Uh, we partnered with them and made a sparkling and sold it from uh, from those uh, those vineyards and um, about five years ago and. Have a wonderful working relationship with them and love those people. So I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, well, Thanks
0: you know, the, the latest thing is called, it's in a can, it's called Tin Pony. I think that's so funny. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh.
1: uh, I did they, not they know were that. The most in, they, were, they were the most interesting people we ever met.
3: They were, oh, wow. Like,
1: and yeah. Audrey. They're just a, just just oh. just
3: a. Just well, when you, when you two head out this way, will you please, time. please let us know in advance because Lisa and I would love to have you over and we'll socially distance if we still need to do that back by oh, then yeah, <laughs> but uh, we would love to 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 meet you in person and also uh you have my email address now uh, please yes. send a reply back with your physical address i also oh, need wow. your phone number and your email because we're going to ship something to you and um and anyway did this go okay
1: yes everything is fine our our, uh, our phone number which is my my mobile phone is four one two.
3: Oh wait 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 give me a. We'll moment. do it on I mean.
0: email.
1: I yeah, that. send me an
3: email. That oh, would be okay, lovely, okay. and if you can copy Lindsay on that, that would be wonderful as well.
1: Great. Yeah, and, and when when the, when the, when this when this when this airs, we'll we'll be in touch. So. Yeah,
3: just send us the link, and we'll we'll also put the link up on our on our website as well, and uh, get you guys some traffic. We have quite a. Quite a very active following base, oh, and folks will be yeah. very, very um, thank you, Dad, Amanda, happy the, to see that. The
1: third. Thank you, the third, thank you so much. Thank you so the much, thing for, that you, I find amazing is time to, to be part of the program today, yeah. and uh, we wish we wish you and your wife, and your son, and your vineyard as a whole every success.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Jeannie. We'll see
3: you guys later. Bye. Okay, bye.
0: Okay, so, so who knew? Who knew? The- yeah, I mean, I, I really love that we learn so much. I mean, after we finish these interviews and this program, I and mean, when I feel I've learned a lot, I'm really pleased. So I hope everybody else is also pleased.
1: And, and, and you'll enjoy these wines too. When you like them sparkling or otherwise, right. you, you're, you're going to enjoy them as part of your cellar and as part of what you put on your dining table. So we hope you enjoyed today's program. We'll be hoping that we'll join, that you'll join us again. Same time, same place. Until tonight. then, bye Good bye. bye. Okay, <laughs> You're stopping me.